are listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, located in Denver, Colorado. And you can find out more about us at houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the triune God. Amen. Hello, I'm the new girl here. My name is Pastor Wiley. I use they, them pronouns, and this is my second Sunday. One thing you all should know about me is that Mean Girls is one of my favorite movies. Who has seen it? Raise your hand. Yes, yes, yes. The other of you, you, we got something to watch tonight. Um, Why? Because as a young butterfly trying to break out of my cocoon, I desperately wanted to be a plastic. Blonde, skinny, always having the cutest boyfriends. I wanted the power of dictating social life and wardrobe choices of an entire school. And I desperately wanted to be BFFs with Janice and Damien, two people whose identities could not be split and categorized into just one clique, who say screw it to the external judgment and just make a home between themselves. As the fat kid who did not have the language for the fact that I was gay and non-binary yet, I feel like I can relate to Katie Heron as she is forced to decide which clique she most belongs to. Clearly, there is power in being a plastic, and yet there was this other kind of safety and power by joining Janice and Damien. So it was the lunchroom in rural Wisconsin at McGowanagoe High School in the year 2011. The place is abuzz with the warring tribes as they rush to claim their their respective camps. Mine, choir, theater, arts. Raise your hand if you were one of those. Yes is yes, we know. Our enemy, those we hoped God would curse, were the jocks. Or to be politically correct, the athletes. Why? They got all the money. Sports fields with multi-million dollar donors, attendance up the wazoo. They got a weight room and we didn't even get a dance studio. We had to fight to get those in-school rehearsals and they had no trouble getting out a sixth period to go for that away meet. They got the glory, swept the homecoming court. They got their place on the front page of the local paper. You all know what clique you belong to and think about who you wished curses upon. So I imagine on the plane, the level plane, and throwing out blessings to some, the burnouts are blessed, the theater kids are blessed, the arts clique is blessed, and curses to the others. The athletes are cursed. The plastics are cursed. After all, all plastic melts in the end. As Jesus lists off why the cursed are cursed, my pride attempts to mask how the curses actually begin to convict me. Even though I had found my clique, somehow I had got it twisted that instead of loving my enemies, I had become my enemies. I had become the thing I had despised. I was a plastic. I guess I got my dream after all. 
As my prideful smirk sharpens, the words convict more deeply. Full of pride, my privilege and sin beams through. I had used whatever privilege I did have, whiteness, being middle class, having access to those honors programs and the AP classes, and I had lorded it over others. The intolerance of others by the plastics had become my own. And on top of all of it, then Jesus says, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Do to others as you would have them do to you. So at this point, I'm mad, and I want to be like Damien. Anybody know Damien and Mean Girls? Yes, he's played by Daniel Franzesi, a really good friend of mine. He's still single. (laughs) Um, And at one point at the end, we all know he says to this woman, she doesn't even go here. I want to say he doesn't even go here to Jesus. And yet, us in a couple of weeks, we will say, we also want him dead, crucify him. How can I tolerate this reckless mercy Jesus is handing out like making it rain with $1 bills? Like a kid who recklessly piles on the candy when they win big at the arcade. How can we tolerate this reckless mercy? And in classic Jesus fashion, he looks at me with that look that we all know and says, Oh, honey, reckless mercy is life. And at that moment, having just been cursed and blessed, something in my being aches for this reckless mercy. Because the way things are is killing me and killing us. The Gospel of Luke is full of stories of Jesus recklessly showing mercy, healing and breaking rules, and then being chastised. But whenever accosted, Jesus merely asks the question, What is just, death or life? Jesus is attempting to show us a way of the kingdom, a way in which God intends for us to live. And this way of living does not make sense because we live in this tit-for-tat world, one where transactions are the gold standard. This transactional society is killing us this constant remembering of who we owe and some will never let us forget it, or that we can't get anything unless we are willing to give everything. This transactional society means life for some and death for others. Human relationships are inauthentic, self-centered, and disembodied. Wait a minute, scratch that. This transactional society means death for everyone. Jesus is saying don't get it twisted Reckless mercy is life. A couple of years ago when I was in college, I was attending a uh, LGBTQ conference and we got to hear the pleasure of Judy Shepard speaking, who is the mother of Matthew Shepard, whose son was murdered in hate crimes. And now it brings me to tears to know that that is not far away from us. After the murder of her son, she talked about not... Not only was it difficult for her and Dennis to get through the burial and that sort of thing, but it was also the trial. The prosecutor had put the death penalty on the table, but the two made a pact with each other 
to say that they wouldn't decide until the last possible minute. So when the time came from sentencing, Dennis Shepard took the podium a lot like this and gave a speech of mercy. He talked about how Matthew was not alone in the early morning when he died. He was with God in the wind, in the early morning dew, in the rising sun. And then came the part that shocked everyone, including Judy. This is a quote from Dennis. I would like nothing better than to see you die, Mr. McKinney. However, this is the time to begin the healing process, to show mercy to someone who refused to show any mercy. Mr. McKinney, I am going to grant you life, as hard as it is to do so, because of Matthew. You robbed me of something very precious, and I will never forgive you for that. Mr. McKinney, I give you life in the memory of someone who no longer lives. May you have a long life, and may you thank Matthew every day for it. Showing mercy is about taking the power back and reasserting it in a way that can make you and the perpetrator free from the structural evil that we all inhale, restoring life for all. Mercy is creative resistance that allows us to be unbounded from our anxiety and tied down to God's promises of beloved community and peace. The shepherd's public display of mercy returns death with life, hate with hope. They are vessels of God's reckless mercy, spilling out into the situations where mercy is not warranted nor conventional. Reckless mercy is life. Dear church, the mercy that Jesus is showing and talking about is simply not of ourselves. And to be honest, I don't know if I could extend the same mercy the shepherds did. As I was enjoying the butterfly pavilion yesterday with my mom, I saw this little girl who every time she would see a butterfly on the sidewalk would point at it and scream, everyone stop! The reason she did this is because about 30 minutes prior, as she was walking away, someone inadvertently stepped on a butterfly, and that butterfly is no longer with us. So since that moment, she was insistent on protecting any and all future butterflies that just so happened to land on the sidewalk. So imagine she yells, stop, points out the butterfly, and then like a good defense person on the basketball court is trying to hold them back, right? So they don't get the the hoop. I don't do sports. Is that good? Yeah? Okay, good. She points out the butterfly and then begins to look around and gently nudge the others back so that the butterfly can what? Live. This little girl's mercy for this butterfly was reckless. It was outrageous. But something inside of her compelled her to extend mercy, even if it seemed childish and naive to you and me. Reckless mercy leads to life. I was convicted by the reckless mercy of the jocks. Wait, I'm sorry, the athletes. The athletes from high school who, despite my constant cursing of them, were the ones that had my back. 
were the ones that showed up to every single musical performance, and yes, they did give me flowers, as they should, and defended me whenever the homophobia reared its head. It is the reckless mercy of this little girl trying to keep a butterfly alive that puts me on my ass and makes me wonder, with Christ inside of me and you, how can we do that too? Just as we are bathed recklessly in water and with drink and bread and with rain and snow, be reckless with that mercy just as the triune God is reckless with their mercy towards us. For this beautiful and broken world, though we not know what we do. It is the reckless mercy of the table and the cross that keeps on asking us to come home, lay our burdens down, and be surprised by who may be sitting next to us and across the table. And that, dear beloveds, is life. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. If you would like to support the ongoing ministry of our church, please visit our website at houseforall.org and click on Give.